the push into Ukraine. They are not good at this. Let's not kid ourselves. This has been an absolutely horrific effort for a nation that was supposed to take Ukraine in in 36 hours. And really, if if we are, are more to it, people discussed two weeks. We're on day 14, we're on day 15, and they don't have it. This is something that we have discussed and been discussing, but we have to not forget the levels of absolute disaster that Russia has inflicted on Ukraine. The whole city of Mariupol, M-A-R-I-U-P-O-L, has just been absolutely brutalized. We're talking about hospitals that have been bombed. You have 400,000 people allegedly trying to engage in evacuation attempt, and that has been stopped. You have 2 million refugees at the moment. And finally, you had Joe Biden engaging this conversation, and that what we were going to do was we were going to finally, finally ban Russian oil. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. This is a move that has strong bipartisan support in Congress and, I believe, in the country. Americans have rallied support, have rallied to support the Ukrainian people and made it clear we will not be part of subsidizing Putin's war. Now, what's interesting is I spoke about this anecdotally, right, that, that people seem to be okay with, with, with higher prices for, for gas if it means stopping Putin. Like, like they're, they're totally down with it. And I know what people are saying on Twitter, sure, uh, like people are really are, are okay with higher gas prices. Quinnipiac poll. Here it is. The story from Newsmax.com. 71% to 20, 22%. Americans support a ban on Russian oil, even if it means higher gas prices in the U.S. Anecdotally, it's been stunning that this, this very concept is something that has united Americans. And I said, this, this is weird. I don't know. Maybe I should have a more Latin term for it. Isn't it the strangest thing in the world that this is the thing that's going to connect Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberals? It's going to connect the coast with the Midwest? It's it's odd and it's peculiar. And then to add to this, Joe Biden is indeed begging Saudi Arabia for oil. Saudi Arabia wouldn't take the phone call. That was the story last night. It was like, oh, damn. It's Iran-Russia all over again. Biden wanted Iran at the negotiating table to go back to the nuclear deal so badly, and Iran was like, oh, we don't have to go back. You, America canceled the deal. We don't have to go back. It was canceled under Donald Trump, and rightfully so, because the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, was a terrible idea. But Biden, showing that he's not Trump, has to get Iran back to the table, so he needed Russia's help to do it. It's embarrassing. And now Saudi Arabia won't take the phone call. And here's Biden trying to take oil from Saudi Arabia and Venezuela, a communist nation. Congressman Jim Banks has introduced the No Oil from Terrorist Act that would ban the importation of petroleum from Iran. And the question is, where else? Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District joins us uh, right now. And, sir, before we get into this, 
the the topic of of your legislation. Uh, President Biden engaging this ban on on Russian oil. Uh, you favor this? Well, I, I I do. Yes, ban Russian oil imports, but at the same time, reopen America's uh, oil and gas uh, industry too. I mean, Joe, Joe Biden destroyed our American energy sector on his first day in office by stopping construction of Keystone Pipeline, stopped drilling on federal lands, other measures that he took. So, yes, ban Russian oil imports, but uh, reopen, make make America energy independent again by doing what we have to do to to start pumping uh, pumping oil right here at home. Don't quit putting uh, Moscow ahead of Midland, Texas. No, and and it's it's funny. There have been a couple of members of of a Texas delegation saying uh, the first phone call should have been to us and talk about ways that we can uh, I- increase uh, the the oil exports. But it's very obvious to America, especially when you heard Joe Biden uh, discuss how the oil companies they've got these nine thousand leases and the oil company could be doing more, but they're not doing more. And you then hear him talk about how we need to transition off of oil as he has over the last couple of years. Uh, the idea of what we refer to as energy independence is not front and center in his mind. Is that a Biden thing or is that him beholden to the progressives in the Democratic Party? Well, make no mistake about it. This is about the Green New Deal. This is about satisfying the radical environmentalists in the Democrat Party who got Joe Biden elected. Uh, this this president doesn't think for himself. He relies on the radicals in his party. And they, they, they are hell-bent on passing these uh, radical uh, environmentalist uh, efforts that they've always they've always only, only dreamed of before, but they're getting it done on Joe Biden's watch. The, the 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 hilarious part of it to me, though, it's not hilarious as in funny, but the it, the the uh, unthinkable part of it to me that no Democrat can seem to explain to me how is it more environmentally friendly to drill oil from and get more oil from Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Venezuela than it is to drill in America. We we do. We do all of this in a more environmentally friendly way anyway than the rest of the world. So I haven't found a single Democrat that can explain to me why it's more appealing to the, envi- the radical environmentalists in the Democrat Party to get more oil from Saudi Arabia than it would be to get it from right here at home. That's a conversation I'm going to be having with James Taylor, president of the Heartland Institute, coming up in, in a little bit. But let's go to your legislation, the No Oil from Terrorists Act. This is, as I read the story, is this specifically about Iran or is this about other nations as well? Well, it's directly targeted at Iran because you got to go back, got to go back a few years, Tony. I mean, remember during the during the Obama years that that uh, President Obama negotiated the Iran nuclear deal, JCPOA. It was a, it was a terrible deal. And it rewarded Iran for their bad behavior. It was it was a deal that they they lied and told us was about stopping Iran from building up a nuclear program. But at the end of the day, it gave them remember pallets of cash in the middle of the night that rewarded them for their bad behavior, and actually led them down a path to get them closer to building a nuclear program and nuclear weapons. Donald Trump campaigned in 2016 on getting out of the really bad Iran nuclear deal, and he kept his word and his promise, and he did that. Now we got Joe Biden in the White House, who seems to be uh, uh, very focused again on renegotiating this deal. But one of the reasons why is because he's leveraging Iran, Iranian oil as part of entering into a new uh, a new Iran nuclear deal that we where we would give Iran one hundred billion dollars. And then in return, they would give us more oil and we'll call it a new Iran nuclear deal. And, and somehow the I guess the audience for this are are, are liberals in the Democrat Party who want Joe Biden to be more like Barack Obama and get something done that 
that Obama did that that Trump and because Trump got us out of it, Biden feels like he has to get us back into it. But it's really dangerous from a national security standpoint. But the really bad part of it, again, is that instead of reopening our own energy sector, our own um, uh, drilling again in the United States and, and making us independent, of, uh, of the foreign uh, governments that we rely on for, for uh, oil and gas. We're going to go to the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world in Iran and, and beg them for more oil, uh, which is what uh, this Iran nuclear deal is about. But my, my bill, the No, uh, uh, the no um, uh, Oil from Terrorists Act, is, uh, would, would, would stop Joe Biden, prevent him from doing that. It's common sense. The fact that we'd have to pass a bill to prevent him from doing it is, is embarrassing for the U.S., but that, that's what my bill aims to do. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District. He also heads up the Republican Study uh, Committee. Uh, so let's go um, to to maybe something a, a little more specific, right? If, if we're going to talk about banning oil sales from terrorist nations, are we talking about banning all business with terrorist nations? Well, well we should. I mean, Iran again, Iran is the biggest state sponsor of terrorism. And uh, we shouldn't be doing business with them anyway. We shouldn't be rewarding them for... Uh, all of their malign activities. And, and since Joe Biden has become president, we've seen Iran act out. And they were, they were a bad actor during the Trump years, but Trump fought back against them and held them accountable uh, on top of getting out of the, the uh, really bad uh, Iran nuclear deal. But now they're acting out in an even bigger way. And, they're try- and the reason why is because they, they know that with a weak president in the White House, uh, they can intimidate him to give them uh, more cash, give them more money so that they can funnel that money to Hezbollah and other and other uh, uh, terrorist proxy groups that act on their behalf. And, and that that's why you're seeing them in the news more. That's why they're they're growing and their their aggression and why they're threatening and acting out more at this point than what they did at any point during the Trump years. And this goes to to a, a, a part two. When we talk about terrorist nations, I think that naturally we have an idea of what this 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 means, right? When we talk about uh, no oil from these terrorist nations, and I get the conversation about Iran, especially as President Biden is trying to rebuild this deal that is is valueless, only because well Trump did away with it, and we can't have that. It is, the the anti-Trumpism uh, is 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 massive here, and I think really destroying Joe Biden in in engaging in practicality. Um, are we talking about a definition of what constitutes a terrorist nation? Well, uh, my, my bill is specific. The, la- the, the language of my bill is really simple, Tony. I mean, it's, it, it, it's simply in one, in one sentence, it bans importation of petroleum from Iran because that's what Joe Biden is, is threatening to do. But uh, the larger, your larger question, the larger issue, um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, and, and the bottom line here is why, why would we ban oil from, from Russia – so we'll, we'll uh, ban oil from one bad guy, but we'll trade one bad guy for two other bad guys. And in this case, the Ayatollah from Iran and Maduro and Venezuela. That, that's, what, that's where the Biden administration is turning to to try to bail them out of this mess. It's not going to work. Um, a, another one of my colleagues, Scott Franklin from Florida, just introduced a bill to ban oil importation from Venezuela. And then I've, uh, other colleagues have caught on to what we're doing and trying to find ways to do this as well. At the end of the day, Pelosi and Democrats aren't going to allow my bill to pass, but it reminds the American people that this president is, is playing with fire. He's, uh, he's literally playing with fire when he wants to go negotiate with, with Iran, and in this case, leverage that to get more oil, and, and the audacity of it that, that he wouldn't turn to our own 
uh, oil and gas uh, sector right here at home, grow more American-made jobs, Amer- American jobs, and use American-made uh, 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 oil and gas. I mean, that, it's just that simple. He's not willing, willing to do it because if he did that, uh, he would tick off uh, his, his uh, environmentalist uh, radical climate change uh, wing of the Democrat Party, which makes up a majority of the Democrat Party today. Congressman Jim Banks, uh, before I, I let you go, you know, it's not that I oppose the, the, the legislation here, and this is specific about uh, Iran, but y- you have Biden begging Saudi Arabia and Venezuela, and I'm not quite sure. How, I'm not even trying to be flip or glib. I'm not trying to poke the bear. I don't know how else to describe it other than begging. So first things first, does this expand out to more nations? And secondly, you know this isn't going to go anywhere, right? I know it's not going to go anywhere, sadly, but I want to I want to. I want to uh, echo this important point to every American who is paying almost twice as much as uh, for, for a gallon of gas as what they were when Donald Trump was in office, that it doesn't have to be that way. And we don't have to rely on terrorist countries like Iran, which is the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. We don't we don't have to rely on them for more gas when we can get it from home. It's just that simple. To get it from home, you have to be willing to to drill. And I've got Joe Biden telling me that it's those uh, oil companies that refuse to drill and they've got all these leases. Have you spoken to any oil companies about why they're not drilling? Yeah, it's just not true. I mean, it's a complete uh, it's a complete and total lie. Joe Biden on day one, on January 20th of 2021, made decisions that uh, that led to where we are today. He is responsible for higher gas prices, not Putin. Not the oil industry uh, uh, in the United States or anywhere else. Joe Biden is responsible because he stopped drilling on federal lands and he's prevented uh, new new contracts in states like New Mexico and uh, and Texas from having to appease his uh, the radicals in his own party. So it doesn't have to be that way. I think at this point, Tony, most Americans know that Joe Biden is lying to us when he tries to pass the buck on to somebody else. It all the, the, the buck stops with him. It's all his fault. Congressman Jim Banks from the Indiana 3rd heads up the Republican Study Committee. I appreciate you taking uh, the time. We'll check in soon with you. More to get to. I'm Tony Counts. So I'm trying to put together the story about the election fraud in Wisconsin. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. It's written by Margot Cleveland over at The Federalist. And if I know anything uh, uh, about Margot Cleveland who I've had on the show before, um, not only do I consider her massively on the up and up, I consider her serious in ensuring that what she's bringing is focused. She has not let me down yet. And the story is that a special counsel, Michael Gableman, vetted more than 90 nursing homes in five different counties in Wisconsin and concluded there was, and I'm quoting, widespread election fraud. Here is uh, from the 150-page report, about 150 pages. Quote, rampant fraud and abuse occurred statewide at Wisconsin's nursing homes and other residential care facilities. That report was filed on March 1st. It's one of the key findings of election irregularities and a report that confirms the conclusion of the Racine County Sheriff that fraud occurred at nursing homes in Wisconsin. If you look at this story politically, I I must tell you that that's doing it all wrong. 
This story has to be looked at as what happened and what's happening. And a bit of proof that A, fraud does exist in elections, and B, we should be a society that is interested in preventing opportunities for fraud. Mail-in balloting, ballot harvesting should all be done, gone. It should be done away with. The people who push these things are pushing for the opportunities for fraud. And I personally believe, like I think you might believe, that's exactly why they push them. This is a very, this is a fascinating, fascinating story about what what happened here and how this broke down and how this maybe wasn't, you know, focused or isolated to one specific county. The Racine Sheriff's Office had forwarded its conclusions to the district attorney and recommended election fraud charges be filed against five members of what's known as the WEC, the Wisconsin Election Commission including two felony counts. Yet the district attorney, Patricia Hansen, reviewing this for several months, announced in February that she would not be filing criminal charges because she, quote, lacked, as the story goes, lacked jurisdiction over the commissioners. So she's explaining that these, because the commissioners do not live in her county and did not issue... Uh, the illegal directive doing away with, with, with certain parts of this, this, this problem, she lacked the authority to prosecute. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's actually um, accurate. How it was the local investigation, this whole thing, that led to the special prosecutor, the special counsel, I should say, that led to learning that in 90 nursing homes in five different counties, there was widespread election fraud. So now the question is, what happens from here? And why isn't this a national story? It's just our elections. Is everything Ukraine? It shouldn't be. But Joe Biden just made energy independence a top-line subject. We'll get into it with James Taylor of the Heartland Institute next. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So I had myself a conversation. It's a conversation about where we really are with energy policy. What is it that Joe Biden said to us just yesterday? What did Joe Biden say about our energy independence? About how it, you, we've got these, these terrible oil companies terrible terrible oil companies and they're not drilling is is that the case is that the case is that's true that's that's not exactly true so i took a moment to speak to james taylor he's the president of the heartland institute about what it is biden said what did, did any of it have any bearing to truth and what would it take to get our own energy independence 
Well, thanks for having me on, Tony. Joe Biden is engaging in a verbal shell game. Is it true that there are leases out there that aren't being uh, drilled on? Yes, there are. But he doesn't tell you the reason. The reason why is simply this. When the federal government invites bids on leases, oil companies, natural gas companies are not allowed to go on site, drill exploratory wells, figure out if, if there's anything worth producing. They're speculating. And they're speculating out of necessity because of the rules set by the federal government. So oil companies will say, okay, from afar, it looks like this might be promising. From afar, it looks like that might be promising. They send money to the federal government, whether there is oil or natural gas on those lands or not. And then afterwards, then they have to get permits from the federal government, environmental permits to drill exploratory wells, and they have to figure out if there's oil and natural gas there. And many of those leases do not have recoverable oil or natural gas. So why would why would the Biden administration pressure America's energy producers to drill in places where there is no oil and natural gas. That's what Joe Biden is saying. Well, because you had to uh, purchase these leases without knowing if there's oil and natural gas, now you should be drilling whether there's oil or gas there or not. It is absolutely ridiculous. It's a verbal shell game. But that verbal shell game is kind of easy to uncover. And it started getting uncovered yesterday. I remember I, I had tweeted out simply, he just you know, threw oil under the bus. I can't wait to hear the oil companies respond. How ha- have the oil companies responded? Because he, it really was uh, not only just an, an amount of gaslighting. That's how I took it. And I've talked about it on my video series, The Morning Rumble, there at rumble.com. I referred to it as gaslighting about gas prices. But this really was punching the the energy sector in the face. Have they responded at all to this? Well, they've responded by saying exactly what I just said and, and what you know to be the truth. But what the Biden administration is counting on, and uh, in some ways, um, from a Machiavellian political perspective wisely, is that the mainstream media and the leftist media is not going to report the truth. So you had on CBS Evening News uh, yesterday after Biden uh, gave this explanation, uh, this disingenuous explanation. Then they had the CBS News anchor saying, well, yes, this is the case. And we verified it. (laughs) They verified it. They verified something that's not true. So basically what the Biden administration is counting on is that the American people are not going to, at least a, a very large portion of the American people, are not going to have access to the truth. If you are not watching Uh, one of the few conservative news organizations. If you're not listening to Tony Katz or or another uh, conservative common sense uh, radio station, what you're getting is Rachel Maddow, what you're getting is Chris Hayes, what you're getting is the CBS Evening News attempting to gaslight the American people, and they're going to succeed over a large percentage of the American populace, unfortunately. So so this has been, and people will, will hear you say that, and, and they'll hear me talk, and they'll be like, wow, you, you, you're really making this political. But the political part gets into the idea of ideology. Talking to James Taylor, he's the president of the Heartland Institute, heartland.org, uh, and we have we go back to Barack Obama saying when he was, I believe, running for president in 2008 uh, he or 2007, he said that uh, energy prices would have to necessarily skyrocket. And the argument was, of course, that this would make green look attractive by comparison. 
There are there. It's funny. There are people on the political left who like in Indiana, the Indiana Democratic Party wants to repeal the gas tax, suspend the gas tax for the year to make gas more affordable for for, for Hoosiers. Right. My, my, my beloved Indiana. And then you've got people like Gavin Newsom who want to do things to lower gas prices. But on a very national level. The progressives are super excited about the high gas prices because they think it will lead people to green because the price has gone up. And so by comparison, green doesn't look as expensive. There is an ideological push to this. Are you seeing, first, can you, can you further describe how long that ideological push has been going on? And then have you been seeing any kind of movement happening where there are some saying, you know what, we'd all be better off if gas prices stayed this high because we could either push green or people would drive less and that's better anyway? Well, getting to your second point first, um, yes, this is something that has been proposed uh, from the uh, political left for quite some time. The only way that wind power, solar power are going to be chosen by the American public if there's any semblance of a market system in place is by pushing conventional energy prices substantially higher uh, than they would otherwise be absent government intervention because, look, the energy that's, uh, that's in coal, oil, natural gas is much more concentrated, much more easily accessible, much more able to be turned into electricity or, or automotive power than the very uh, uh, diffuse and, and not concentrated uh, energy in the wind or the sun. I, I, I've lived most of my life in Florida. I can crack an egg on the sidewalk in Florida in the middle of July on the hottest day. It's not going to fry. There's only so much energy in, in the sun. So this is something that they need to do uh, to push up conventional energy prices higher and higher and higher if their beloved wind and solar are going to have a chance of being uh, accepted in the marketplace. And going back, I remember when I first began uh, in this field, back in the early 2000s, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I remember debating folks on global warming and energy-related issues. And that is something that they have always been, they being people who are on the environmental left, have always been advocating higher gasoline prices, higher energy prices, talking back then about the need to have 5 or $10 gasoline. And that's in $2,000, not today's dollars. That would be 10 to 15 10 to $20 gasoline. It's something they've always been, been dreaming of. And one final note, when you mention uh, how this has unfortunately become a political uh, discussion, and it's, it's really being... Uh, uh, debated and discussed on political narratives. The reason is, is that the mainstream news media stopped becoming a news media. Back in the day, even if they leaned to the left, still, if there was something like this that was reported by or claimed by Joe Biden, well, then they would interview people on both sides of the issue and present both uh, pieces of analysis, and that's the news reporting. But now they won't do that. Their narrative, or actually their agenda, is to prop up the, the Biden administration, so the news does not get reported. Now let's talk about what the facts are. We talk about Biden coming into office, uh, immediately putting an end to the Keystone Pipeline. We take a look at the fact that we have places that we could drill even on public lands, and that's a non-starter from, from the very beginning where are we, do you believe, when it comes to energy independence? And I'm not asking about specifically uh, the, the Biden policies that prevent them, but rather what is the capability of the United States? As you have investigated this, what energy independence could we have? How attainable 
is it, and how long would it take to get there? Well, the term that uh, Donald Trump used was energy dominance, and I think that's a very descriptive term. Energy independence, it's, it's a bit of a misleading term because even if we're producing more than we're using, just the way that uh, efficiencies of the market are, sometimes we're going to export uh, energy at the same time that we're importing it from some places versus others. But uh, just, just uh, two years ago, we were producing more oil and natural gas than we were using. We were exporting more than we were importing. If gasoline prices rose, that would actually benefit the American economy, just like it benefits the Saudi economy and the Russian economy, because we're producing more than we're using. Uh, but that's changed. Now, we certainly have the capacity to be energy dominant. We have more oil, coal, and natural gas resources than any other nation on Earth. And in fact, there's only a single nation, Russia, that has even half as much as we do. There's only one nation with half as much energy resources as we have. And yet, because of uh, self-inflicted wounds politically, here we are today making a decision. Okay, do we import Russian oil and bankroll their war machine in the process, or do we go beg Saudi Arabia, Iran, Venezuela, these are hostile nations to the United States, especially the latter two, do we beg them to increase production because we cannot get along without their, their oil? There's no need for us to do this. We have more than enough. But, but the coal conversation, James, talking yes. to James Taylor, president of the Heartland Institute, the coal conversation always gets everyone crazy because coal is evil and coal is dirty and coal pollutes uh, the, the environment. And if you say the words clean coal, you get laughed out of the room. We are the Saudi Arabia of coal. We just don't beat the women. That's the difference. So is there a way really, really, truly, is there a way to utilize the coal in a way that doesn't create what people will believe as, as just a bit of uh, part of the culture as environmental disaster. Well, we just have to speak up. The fact of the matter is that America's air quality uh, has greatly improved in recent decades, and that was before coal was being phased out during the past 10 years or so anyway. I mean, we're able to produce electricity in more and more environmentally friendly uh, ways. Our air has never been cleaner, and coal can be produced and utilized uh, in a way that is also uh, fairly clean. The the real issue is that we've allowed, we being just the American populace as a whole, uh, we've allowed the environmental left to hijack the discussion and to basically make the environmental scorecard being entirely around emissions of carbon dioxide. Now, by switching from coal power to wind power, for example, there are tremendous negative environmental consequences that certainly the media won't report and most people are unaware of. For example, according to Harvard University professors in a peer-reviewed study, and they believe in a climate crisis, they said, what do we, if we're going to replace conventional energy, how many wind turbines do we need to put in this country? What they found is that we have to carpet literally one-third of the entire American landmass with wind turbines to replace conventional electricity. You talk about an environmental disaster. How many forests, open plains, coastal shorelines, mountaintop ridges, you now have to despoil and develop with these turbines. And by the way, if we're going to electrify transportation, which is something the Biden administration has been pushing so hard in the past couple of weeks, as they say, here's another way around it. Now you'd have to cover half the American landmass with turbines. At the same time, the turbines we have now, just in, in small numbers, kill more than a million birds and bats each and every year, slicing them to death in mid-flight. 
and the rare earth elements that are necessary to produce wind turbine solar panels is about the most environmentally destructive practice in the earth, uh, that, that anywhere on the earth, mining these materials. These are tremendous environmental uh, impacts that far surpass any speculative climate impacts of burning coal. James Taylor, president of the Heartland Institute, heartland.org. I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. We've got more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So the markets are going nuts right now. I will get into that coming up. But a lot of people talking about this maternity ward, this hospital, uh, that was bombed in Mariupol. A lot of people questioning whether or not this was deliberate. Until we know, we don't know. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I put nothing past the Russians. I put nothing past Vladimir Putin. I put nothing against him being an animal. But as we have discussed over the last days... This military is incompetent. They are incompetent. If there wasn't the nuclear weapons threat, I would favor dropping three battalions in Moscow. Next thing you know, we're celebrating 4th of July right there. Boo, ping, look at the fireworks. Russian people would be thrilled. 51st state. Sorry, Puerto Rico. But, uh, you know, a, a crazy guy with, with nuclear weapons, you, you might want to take a different different approach. I can't wait till I'm called an imperialist, right? The Russians will be happier, and so will we. The, the Chinese will not be as happy, and that makes me even happier. But was this bombing deliberate? We don't know, because they are incompetent. Anything and everything could have gone wrong. We talk about how there are 400,000 people they were trying to evacuate. That's been thwarted. You have 2 million refugees already. So we need a little bit. It's, it's, I'm not trying to be glib. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest, but it, it has a double meaning. We need the dust to clear. We need to know what happened before we know what happened. Because if we're, if we're just looking at this as, as observers, a, a, as we are, if Vladimir Putin bombed a children's hospital and killed kids, what was the number, Producer Ari, 17 children? Uh, that's been reported, not confirmed. Okay. And, right, and I don't think we're going to get the confirmation, because remember, we're nighttime in Ukraine right now. We're not going to have confirmation until, until, until the evening hours for us, the morning hours for them. Do you know how bad it gets on a public relations stage if you want to make the argument that Putin is bombing children's hospitals? It gets really, really, really bad. And and so we're clear, everybody is going to have an opinion on this in the next 24 hours. You're going to hear people say baby killer. You're going to hear people say Reichstag fire. You're going to have both sides of the insanity. I'm telling you, don't fall for it. Let's wait a moment for what happened. If this was Putin bombing a children's hospital, the pressure becomes enormous. The th- things change. And not only from a world outlook looking in, like, for example, saying to China, you really support this baby killer? 
I mean, we understand you like to kill your own babies with the one child policy, but you're going to favor this too? Wow, China. It also brings the pressure from within. You already have 13,000 Russians who have been arrested for protest. There are more coming. And nothing takes away from the fact that this is awful. And the photos that they're showing, the video that they're showing, it's it's brutal. Every And I don't know what the building looked like before, but literally every window is blown out. The trees are, are decimated. I know, it's also winter, so they don't have leaves. We're going to follow it. We're going to follow these markets because oil prices have started to drop. There's a reason for it. I've got that story coming up. Facebook Tony Katz Radio, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Keep it here.